everybody to another episode of Small Council Radio. Uh, tonight will be somewhat a shorter episode. Uh, we will be talking about the unreleased Kickstarter units. Not only that, uh, a lot of the hosts had a lot of last-minute things come up. So tonight will be me and Justin kind of going over uh, the four Kickstarter units that have not been released yet by CMON. Uh, so we got Mame Jamie, The Mountain That Rides, uh, Black, mounted Blackfish, both his commander and his attachment, and uh, Mage Mormont. Uh, we'll go over the, because it will be a shorter episode, we could probably also get uh, mounted Blackfish's uh, taxes cards in there too and kind of go over all that. We plan to kind of go over speculation of when uh, we think everything will be out and try to discuss um you know, how to implement some of these units in your army. Uh, before we kick everything off, though, I uh, just wanted to give a couple shout-outs to songoficeandfireguild.com. If you guys haven't uh, checked it out yet, definitely go check out that site. It's going to have kind of like a one-stop shop for uh, any kind of content you're looking for. You're looking at uh, podcasts and uh, written articles, uh, uh battle reports, and not just from single uh, creators either. You're looking at multiple different creators and different styles, um, all found in one place. Not only that, but there's exclusive content from all of the different uh, content creators on there that uh, you can only find on the guild. So definitely check that out. You're looking at, uh, I believe, we're up to eight different creators now uh, between Mythico Studios Tabletop Warden, Blitz Minis, uh, West Coast Bannerman, uh, Northern Realms, A Song of Ice and Fire Stats, Sunday Slaughter, and then we're on there as well. So definitely go check that out. A lot of great content. The site is beautiful. It's like super professionally done. I'm just, I'm super excited for the future of the guild and i hope you guys uh you know join us on that journey um another thing i know i already kind of mentioned it because they're part of the guild but definitely go check out a song of ice fire stats.com uh it's a place that you can go to submit all your results for all your games whether or not they're uh casual or more um competitive games you can also run your tournaments through there with their software um you can keep track like how you're doing as a player you know if you're growing and you can go check out all the different stats of the different commanders see what's kind of doing well and what's kind of doing bad if you see a commander on there you think should uh be doing better you know start playing the heck out of that commander and try to get his uh results up with a bunch of wins um so yeah definitely go check out that site and make an account and submitting your results super super simple super fast I'm talking, you know, if I go for a whole Saturday and I play like three or four games, I write down all my results uh, just between, like, commanders, victory points, and mission. And then at the end of the day, I go and submit three or four results all in the matter of, like, five minutes. So it's super simple, super easy, uh, and it adds a lot to, you know, the uh, stats of everything that's going on. So with that said... Uh, we'll go. We'll get right into this. We're going to start off with uh, probably the easiest to talk about, I think, and that's uh, Mage Mormont, the she bear. Uh, she is 
for three points in a, a Stark attachment that has stalwart, so the unit's going to get plus two to their morale, and an order, stubborn tenacity. When this unit passes a panic test, one enemy engaged with this unit suffers D3 wounds. So uh, for three points, you don't really see her much. Even when she's allowed at events, you just don't really see her. She, In my opinion, she's a really strong two-point attachment. But that three points, it's a big investment, especially when Starks have two three-point NCUs with Sansa and Arya, both of which giving you a whole other activation and uh, some pretty clutch uh, abilities to kind of get the beat on your opponent. Um, what about you, Justin? Uh, have you really ever seen uh, Mormont played, uh, Mage Mormont played? Once. Uh, when the game first came out, where all it was was Kickstarter stuff and uh, Hand of the King stuff and whatnot, uh, which obviously there's a lot less stuff, so it's it's much more common to see her. I was really scared to attack her, though, because I knew I would just be taking wounds <laughs> back. Uh, three points is rough. Like, any attachment at three points is very hard to consider. Not that some attachments aren't worth three points, but like you said, you can get an attachment with most factions at three points. Or not an attachment, uh, an activation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and activations, as we know, are like, sort of king right now. Um, not obviously saying that's going to win every game, but it's it's a very useful. Uh, it is also hard to say that she's a very strong, like she's a very strong two-pointer is the problem. Because um, at two points, it's, it's stubborn tenacity is probably worth one point for sure. But I think stalwart is like in that weird range of like 1.5 points. Because yeah. that's a huge buff to units, and that's a lot of damage that they're probably going to negate. Hell, Star Wars and even Cutthroats makes Cutthroats like, huh, they're not going to blow up. <laughs> Obviously, I always <laughs> reference neutral units because I am who I am. <laughs> well, not only that, you have to factor that they already have Blackfish uh, infantry, which you could either pay two points for or just take them as your commander for Stalwart, and then even run... Uh, um, uh, Brienne, a neutral two-point mm-hmm. attachment for another two. So let's say you take Blackfish uh, Commander for two po- uh, for free Stalwart, and then for four points, or sorry, five uh, points, you take Mage and uh, Brienne for you know three units now with plus two. Imagine putting it on three Berserker units for Berserkers that are now immune to morale without any you know modifiers, and even with even with heavy modifiers, means they're probably still going to pass almost all of them. Conversation bothers me. <laughs> that, so yeah, maybe, no, totally. Maybe, but at the same time, you're going to be really low on activations at that point because of what you invested into cut or into Berserkers. Um, so a savvy opponent, I guess, would just try to hit you as fast as they can, as many times as they can. Because two to three attacks is all you need to get through the armor cutthroats generally, or not cutthroats, uh, berserkers, unless you're Dave, and then you'll just never do it. <laughs> Ever. Well, you got that You, you got that counter or uh, set for charge, if we're talking, you know, because you're looking at 21 points for the berserkers, and then you're looking at a five-point investment there. You're looking at 26 points. So, I mean, your last uh, unit's going to have to be like a five-point sworn sword, and then... You're welcome. That's 31. That leaves you 
I mean, I guess you could run in a six-point unit, and then um, you'd have eight points left for two four-pointers. Or you could even run, I guess, uh, let's see. So uh, if you run four Berserkers, it's 28 plus five points. You're looking at 33. And then that's seven points to still run like Catlin and Sansa. Um, all the while, you have three two two-up morale units and a four-up morale unit. And then with that stubborn tenacity, especially if you set for charge. Yeah, you're guaranteeing uh, auto wounds. <laughs> yeah, you swing and knock out a ton of their attack. Now they're attacking with probably like kind of a softer attack. Um, and, you know, they barely do any damage. Let's, you know, assume I'm, I'm talking from experience and they barely do any damage back. And now the she-bear is, you know, going to throw back another D3 if you have no modifier, because it's going to be an auto pass. Um, so maybe that's why they chose three points. I think with the potential she has, um, that can be pretty devastating to be able to attack on, you know, so many stalwarts. But then again, you know, if you have Catelyn and Sansa, you could easily take away the she-bear and add in Arya to make that uh, six activation list. Yeah. Yeah, up to seven activations, which is like the where you want to be, in my opinion, the minimum you yeah, want that's, to be. Yeah, that's solid center. So I think it's tough. At two points, she is arguably one of the best two points in the game. Uh, at three points, you just don't see her. Um, I don't think you really, like, how often, besides if the mountain that rides is allowed, do you see a three-point attachment of any kind? Um, maybe just uh, um, occasionally I see uh, Selmy. Um, yeah, King Selmy is maybe it because he makes a unit basically invincible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but even him, um, I don't. I've never seen him in a tournament. Yeah, not in a tournament. I've seen him in a lot of uh, testing. Like I've seen him in tournament testing lists, but never yeah, actually same. make the final cut. Nope. Because he's while he's super, and all these three pointers are super good. And while they're really good, are they like worth three? Are some of them are redundant? Like Selmy's kind of redundant. Like you want to see him in Warrior Sons, but. Warrior sons are kind of indestructible, anyways, unless like you let them die. <laughs> or <laughs> like they're you so hard to like kill. A lance charge, a lance charge before yeah. they have uh, any tokens. Even then, um, you got to roll sixes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, roll sixes. They I ain't dying. Also, I think also what contributes to the three point attachment being like so if he is the fact of three point NCUs, I think yeah. maybe just doing away with three point NCUs might be the best. Uh it's just the activations are so strong and you know, you don't want to give certain factions more than one three point NCU, but then you got other factions that already have them. So I don't know if you just take them away or you just make the attachments less. I would I feel like one, one I would agree with the I would agree with the no three point attachments for the reasons you said and then um well I believe all the three point NCUs are all like the most used NCUs. But also uh I guess from my perspective it would make me feel a lot better as a neutral player. Because <laughs> then 
like people want to be taking the obvious choice of a three-point attachment as opposed to a neutral or uh ncu as opposed to a neutral ncu maybe people dive into the realm of sprinkling sprinkling in neutral ncus more if they didn't have three-point ncus to choose from that'd be neat yep more peter no, around cra- maybe jockin probably not jockin <laughs> Yeah, I think Jockin, though, just needs a complete... I know we're getting a little off track, but I think we have a little time to spare. I think Jackin just needs a little... I think he needs a complete rework just because, as is, I don't see a good way to fix what abil- the ability he has currently. I don't think there's a good way to fix it. Same with Mel. Mel and him, it's you either... You know, granted, Mel is usually... You're just mad about brain, the other day. <laughs> well, Mel is usually favoring the the controller a bit more than not, whereas Jackin is almost never favoring the controller. But either way, both of them have the results of either you get what you need and you're happy and your opponent is mad, or you don't get what you need and you're mad and your opponent's like, all right, awesome. You, they're wasting all those points on five-point NCUs. So um, I would like to just see those two and the um, – Stone thrower be I know they're like super high risk high reward essentially, and I think it just leads to a bad game for someone at some point, but I think, I think you're definitely risk, right about a bad game for someone at some point, although I do generally like some risk versus reward, and that's probably my biggest complaints that I have about this game are the situations in where there's a crap ton of reward with no risk. Um, yeah. But, yeah, maybe maybe in some cases it needs to be dialed down. Uh, shit, you have a game where all four viruses go off or the, alter- the, the opposite where all four don't go off. <laughs> Someone's <laughs> really upset either way. <laughs> yeah, for all of my amazing dice rolls, Varus is definitely one thing that does not like me in this game. <laughs> he is failing. I, I haven't used him in like six games. He's on. He's on timeout. <laughs> he's in the corner with the dunst hat. Yeah, I'm using. I'm using a little bit of Walder and Peter lately. He's, I think more people need to use Peter. Punished. I always use Peter. I've always liked Peter. Some games, he doesn't really do a whole lot for me, but man, sometimes that's just what you need, especially if somehow, someday, you're lucky enough to get both, like, if you can grab the mail first, and then, or the money first, replace it with the mail, and then switch it around, and get the mail again if, some wh- for whatever reason, someone lets you do that, which almost never happens against experienced players. Uh, I mean... If you don't care about them taking the free attack, if you plan to Varus, you could definitely double mail with, you know, pretty fairly, you know, pretty easily, I think. Because obviously, if they don't take the attack after you take the money, you're just going to take the attack. So I've actually seen think, people uh, taking the attack less lately. It's kind of surprising. Yeah, I think it also depends on what's attacking. But, yeah, anyways, true. but with, uh, with Mage. I think, uh, yeah, I think the problem with her being three points is just the fact that you can take a whole NCU activation over her. Uh, So it would be cool to see her go down to two points because even though she's a very strong two-point attachment, she still doesn't give another activation like Hodor does or Rickon or, you know. uh, Oh, I guess one good example of a 
three-point attachment would be Rob. Uh, I took, I used to take Rob all the time. It wasn't until they made Rickon uh, cheap. Uh, Rickon and if it wasn't for them reducing Rickon and Hodor each by one point, I mean, my main list had Rob all the time for three points. But the points I saved from uh, Hodor and Rickon allowed me to up my sworn swords to a, a berserker. Um, but yeah, so anyways, uh, so I think Rob, he's a good example of a really, really strong three-point attachment, but I feel like they're very far and few between. I mean, granted, it's the only one I can think of, but, uh, but yeah, I think if she was two points, even though she'd be very strong, I think, uh, I think you would see her just enough make her, you know, right where she needs to be. I think with her, without like changing what she actually is, I think two points is, is right where she needs to be. I think we'd see her a lot, but I wouldn't think of it. Because, I mean, you can look at Hashan. He doesn't give stalwart, but he does more wounds with the go-down fighting. Um, mm-hmm. And he's two points, right? So I, I think there's enough similarities where it's possibly justified for sure. Yep. Excuse me. All right, Excuse, moving on. But only uh, this time. <laughs> we'll talk about uh, Blackfish, Mounted Blackfish, uh, his attachment first, because uh, uh, we won't have to jump into the taxes cards uh, right away. So his attachment version it has Outflank Stark Outriders. You may hold one unit of Stark Outriders off the table instead of deploying them. The start of any round, as their activation, deploy that unit fully within short range of any table edge. And they also has Regroup. Each time this unit makes a retreat action, it may restore up to D3 plus 1 wounds. Um, a 3-point attachment. So, uh, one thing to note with him is you can deploy any table edge. So even the back table edge, which uh, I believe no other outflank uh, ability can do. They can only come from the sides. Uh, so that can be very strong. Now, one thing to note is he was a three-point uh, attachment that was also run all the time before Outriders got changed because the ability to come off any table edge and then take the free maneuver uh, and replace it with a free charge because of their ability uh, was very strong and definitely worth the three points. But now that uh, Stark Outriders no longer have that ability, uh, unless you have Sudden Charge, there's no way to do that. And with Sansa no longer being able to go into the uh, Tactics deck, uh, you have to draw it. So I think that definitely uh, curbed how often you would see this. Because uh, Personally, I, I absolutely love the regroup ability, the restore D3 plus one wounds when you retreat. I can't tell you how many times that in like more casual games, I'll run this version in a unit of uh, Tully Cavaliers for, you know, it, it's a hefty price to pay three points simply just to have regroup. But, you know, combined with Rob attachment, giving you like free retreat uh, with the combos you can definitely make it worthwhile. Uh, granted, you kind of have to draw into the right pieces to make it work, but um, definitely makes for an interesting and you know fun game if you can kind of pull it off. But three points is pretty hefty now that the Outriders have changed and Sansa has changed. 
Uh, yeah, um, but it's a stupendously powerful ability, especially with the Outriders being themselves better. Um, I could still see it easily being used a lot. I'd probably see it used more with you if you didn't run Blackfish all the time on foot as a commander. What do you mean? I don't uh, ever run him in casual games. <laughs> and we never play in casual games much anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I guess we do, but I mean, I never see Blackfish outside of being a commander. Um, but uh, with Outriders hitting easily the rear, because you holding them in reserve, you can wait until you draw a sudden charge. You don't have yep. to deploy them turn one, turn two, turn three, or you can't deploy them turn one, I think, whatever. <laughs> Sorry, but you get to choose when to deploy them. So you can just wait until you get sudden charge, and then that can be the game-breaking charge uh, because you can sudden charge into the back of something that doesn't want to get sudden charged. Nothing really wants to be sudden charged, but uh, it could be could be a softer unit that is a damage dealer and you take it off the board in one hit. I mean, anything in the rear is going to be punished a lot, especially with eight attacks. Well, not only that, if, you know, even if you don't have sudden charge, it could still be a, a nice diversion tactic. You know, stick the unit behind them and just force them to turn around. If they're not a cavalry or like a unit that's going to get a free maneuver, uh, you know, they're going to have to commit to turning around Otherwise, you'll just charge on a different round. Um, and even if they do turn around, you know, uh, Outriders are like the fastest unit in the game. You can easily deploy, let's say, on your right or your opponent's right, whatever side, and then about face and 18 inches across the field over to the other side to force another unit to have to turn around or fear... Uh, a rear charge. I mean, it might, uh, you know, it might be, it might not be until round three before you can, um, you know, get a charge off. But in a lot of cases, you know, fighting doesn't happen until like middle to end of round two, unless both factions are like super uh, aggressive. And I think, um, you know, just disturbing their formation is enough to really make him a solid three-point uh, option, especially if you run, like, one Cavalier with him in them and then run one uh, vanilla uh, Stark Outrider to just harass and then maybe just fill in with activations with, like, Sworn Swords or something and just have the have one unit of Outriders harass, have your big hard hitter, um, and then have, like, Rob with a free gray rent, uh, gray wind in like some sworn swords or something i think uh something like that could definitely uh work out very well yeah that that's definitely so i've had experience where uh like newer into the game when it first came out someone did put uh outriders behind me so i took the free maneuver to try to face them i think i ended up failing a charge but uh um, either way, like I had turned, I think two units around cause they were cutthroats and cutthroats just can't really handle outriders on their own. Maybe if you strike first, but that all depends on rolling, honestly, because of the, uh, four up save, they could just do well. It's obviously possible. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, yeah Jack, but... like I, I super lost because of that. I lost both units of, uh. Cut or yeah, cutthroats with very little consequence. Especially back the way it used to be, it was it was devastating to just because if you had first turn 
or first uh, action, you deployed them, activated, and you immediately took the free maneuver to charge and just rear charge someone. And it was it was devastating. Uh, a rear charge from them was just crazy. And, and the um, panic back then as well? Yep, the old panic because now you're at minus two. Difference? And if you at rolled least. really bad, yep, you could just have a unit explode and the rest of your army is not even looking at the unit. But, uh, but yeah, I, I had uh, a game that was uh, streamed uh, at one of the events in India. I think it was the first one we went to, maybe. Uh, and I faced uh, a Stark player, I think it was fourth round, and they made a huge misplay, and they placed Stark Outriders with the old ones that could do that combo right behind my Umber Great Axes. But I, <clears throat> excuse me, I had first activation, and he didn't draw sudden charge. So he deployed them behind my Great Axes, and my first action was take the free maneuver, and I turned around. And then in order to trap him because it was fire and blood um, and I didn't deploy, I always deploy 12 inches because I don't like uh, deploying too close because then I can't like think out my process of how I want to do things if everything's just clashing each other instantly. And so I took uh, Grey Wind and Summer and them all the way across the board to just an inch away on either side of these outriders so that they couldn't use their order to retreat after my great axes charged into them. Cause I didn't want to charge in with the gray, uh, with gray wind or, um, summer and have them take the free attack and get a free wolf kill. So literally just sat there to prevent any retreat, charged in with my great axes, cleaned them up. And then I was like, all right, now you're a holy, you know, 10 point unit down and then I took my forces against theirs and you know it worked out for the best but had uh, had he waited until the second round I think it would have been a much different game um, I would not doubt that I might have uh, lost that one simply because of that combo but I think he still has a lot of uh, usefulness even without that combo being a thing I think if people uh started using a bit more. Um, I think mostly in uh, combination with uh, Rob uh, and his like maneuverability and his like free retreat to kind of trigger off the healing. Um, I think all of that would uh, really make uh, this attachment shine. Yeah, I totally agree with all that. Uh, moving on, uh, we'll talk about his commander version. Uh, so he has the same outflank ability, uh, word for word, but then instead of the, um, what was it called? Instead of regroup, he has Pathfinder. So the unit he is in, plus one to their uh, move stat and ignores dangerous, rough, and hindering keywords for terrain pieces. Um, especially if you stick him in Outriders, I mean, you're looking at a seven-inch cavalry move. So you're looking at 21 inches if you wanted to maneuver seven in the March uh, uh, 20 or 14, and then combine because if you take the free maneuver even with them uh, to give them another uh, seven, you're looking at 28 inches that these guys can move over any terrain piece without hindrance um, and just 
fly across the board and still having that outflank for that, uh, you know, that harassment uh, tactic. I think uh, there's a lot of merit just to be putting them in, uh, in Cavaliers now. I mean, giving Cavaliers that oh, six yeah. inch movements uh, and I've seen quite a few night charges fail because of, or at least get disorderly because of swamps or bogs or whatever the case. Uh, well, swamps are bogs. Swamps and uh, <laughs> piles of bodies. Horse piles. So I think giving them light cavalry speed coupled with their crazy damage coupled with the ignored terrain because I feel like a thing. And you can like easily hide them behind stakes or whatever and you're fine. Yep. At least I think it ignores yeah. dangerous, right? Yeah. And not only that, uh, you're looking at, um, you know, it's commander. So you're looking at a Tully Cavalier with a, a free attachment. So they're getting all this like speed buff for no extra cost. And on top of that, because it's a commander, sorry, I'm eating a burrito. Um, <laughs> because it's a commander and they're cavalry and they're faster you could get to objectives that you need to get to, to on certain object on certain missions to get those extra points. Yep. And, uh, you know, you can still sort of do the same tactic where you run him with Tully Cavaliers and then you run that vanilla outrider for harassment while having him be that heavy hitter. Um, maybe even like deploy in such a way where let's say it's um, like objective based and you have that one objective that's off nowhere and your opponent only put one uh, one enemy uh, unit over by it, you put the Tully Cavaliers over there to wipe out that unit and now have your uh, commander sit on the objective. You know, what uh, would be a good one? Um, either Feast for Crows or Dance with Dragons, something like that. You know, fi- like if you can, outweigh their deployment and set him across from a one-on-one just so you can obliterate that unit and just pile up two points every round. Um, I think, and then you have your outriders to harass like all their other units while, you know, your sworn swords go in for the kill. Uh, Some of his tactics cards, let's see, we got ride by attack. When a friendly cavalry unit activates as its action, that unit may pivot and march and may move through enemies during this march. After completing this action, it may resolve, resolve one charge attack on one enemy it passed through, including rerolls. So important to note before I move on to the other tactics cards, this one is uh, uh, you get your free maneuver first because it's saying as you you play the card when you activate then you get your free maneuver then as its action is when you're doing the ride by attack so especially if you wanted to do this with the Tully uh, Cavaliers uh, you're looking at um, you know a six inch move now because of uh, of your Tully uh, attachment and then ignoring all the terrain and stuff, which sometimes that can be the bane to ride by attack. I know a lot of uh, Dothraki lists with uh, Drogo trying to use dread because always kind of been something that doesn't really go off, uh, go off often because they're just, they can't clear the unit 
uh, I mean, later on when things start getting spread out, it's a bit easier. But early game when things are kind of still in battle formation, I guess you can call it, it's hard to – usually you can't just, like, clip a corner and then, you know, be done. Usually early in the game, if you get it and you want it to work, you have to go through the unit all the way and then uh, – pass through them, which is pretty hard unless you're like an inch away when you do it. Um, but with ignoring uh, all the terrain pieces and getting a plus one to your move, the Tully Cavaliers could definitely make use of this attack. Uh, and also to note that it's a charge attack. Uh, from my understanding, it's not an actual charge. Um, so I'd have to look up... Um, the FAQ on it, but so it has a lot of the characteristics of a, of a charge attack. So it even says on the card, including rerolls, is an FAQ on it. Let me find that real quick. Looks like it's is it gone? Positioning. Oh, there it is. Does the attack generated by this card benefit from the flank rear bonuses? Um, no, that's not what I'm looking for. Oh, well. Um, so it just says it um, resolved like a, a charge attack, but I'm pretty sure it's... Oh, you know what? What I think I'm thinking of is like tactics cards that uh, trigger off of Separate charge. Uh, when you... Yeah, like when you when you charge. Uh so like set for charge or even like I believe um winter is coming and uh devastating mm-hmm. impact. I believe that's what I'm thinking of because you're resolving a charge attack but you're not actually making a charge. I think that's uh what I'm the thing that kept coming to mind. Anyways, so that's his uh first tactics card. Yeah, better. <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> Ride them down is his next Texas card, which is when an enemy fails panic test. If that enemy is engaged with a cavalry unit, they suffer an additional D3 wounds. If you control the maneuver, they suffer three additional wounds instead of rolling. So this card can be really good, but because you don't really have a lot of, uh, you know, you don't have morale modifiers, this one wouldn't be horrible if, let's say, you took uh, free maneuver to do something and then you came in with the outflank and then you rear charge something for that minus two because then now they're taking uh, D3 plus four wounds. You, I mean, as long as you're attacked a, a decent amount, that's probably a dead unit. Uh in a lot of cases. I mean, granted, it really depends what you're facing, but I think if you've chosen the right target, uh, this is definitely uh, has a good chance of being a dead unit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Cut this. D3 plus four is an average of six. That is 50% of a unit's health. And that is, I mean, if you get a panic token on there, that's almost guaranteed. At least I six think, wounds, up to seven, which is like, ugh. I think with the Outriders, their ability does put a panic and a weaken. Yes. So if you rear charge something, 
and then play ride them down, you're looking at eight dice, hitting on threes, with re-rolls. Your enemy is panicked. I mean, what, you're hitting with like seven of those attacks? They're probably at, let's say, a modest uh, five-up save, and that's if they have a three-up armor. Oh, let's um, go with something that's good <laughs> just to prove the point. Do it on something that has a three-up save. Do it on Wardens. Uh, no, let's do it on an expensive unit. Do it on Warriors. No, they'll pass their panic. Uh, I don't know. Um, I think right. the first one, I think Wardens would be, a, oh, I guess, yeah, if there were only five points. Especially uh, we'll still just say Wardens. So they have a five-up save, so they're failing five of those at least, and then at least six wounds, you've almost killed one of the most offensive units in the game, which that's, point for point, you know, yeah. not, yeah, that's not assuming that you've done anything else. Get a vulnerable token on there, they're definitely screwed. Yep. So that's so, that's like super dead. And even if you don't have the maneuver, two D three plus one is still an average of five. I mean, so technically having the horse doesn't leave it up to chance, but it really only by average adds one more wound. So if you don't need that maneuver, like stressing over having it to play this card isn't a huge deal. Um so I think this this card has its place. It definitely rewards a player for taking advantage of that outflank because, like I said, without it, uh, without, like, getting that rear or side charge, um, it's really going to make it hard to rely on it. Granted, you know, as a Stark player, your opponent's still going to pa- uh, fail panic tests. It's not like, you know, just because you have no modifiers that, enemy can't fail them but you don't want to be holding on to this card all game so you want to try to make sure that you're opening up as much opportunity for them to fail panics which the best way to do that for starks at least in a build like this where you're running uh, outriders and tully cavaliers is you know getting those flank and rear charges for at least a minus one if not minus two so i think uh, the card has a lot of potential and it really uh, i think it complements um, blackfish uh, mounted blackfish uh, commander a lot and rewards you for taking advantage of his uh, you know the way he's supposed to work um, next is heavy impact when a friendly cavalry unit successfully charges the defender becomes vulnerable and if you control the horse this attack also deals plus two additional automatic hits so this combined with ride them down especially the rear charge you know, vulnerable token, you're talking, you know, super dead unit, almost no matter what it is. I mean, I guess if they have, like, super high morale, that minus two means that uh, they could still be passing that. But with two additional automatic hits, uh, I mean, because when, uh, when they successfully charge, is, is that different timing than devastating impact? Can you... Can you play Devastating Impact? It's uh, when you make the charge. And this is when you've... When I you're think successful. in this case, yes, because those, those things are not... Uh, they're, they're, mutually, they're not mutually exclusive or inclusive or whatever. So, so they don't guarantee yeah, to be the same thing because one of them, you can fail the charge. Yep. Well, because uh, yeah, because it says when a friendly unit charges for devastating impact, and then because I'm pretty sure I've seen it 
used before that way as well. So you could devastating impact for two automatic hits into heavy uh, heavy impact for two more auto hits. Um, or no, it would just be two auto wounds because the, the auto hits are the horse for the heavy impact. So if you have the horse between those three cards, I mean, you can make any like one unit auto dead. And uh, even though it is a three card combo, keep in mind if you do have Sansa, it makes three card combos a lot less like rare um, or hard to do if you already have one in the discard pile. Uh, and, you know, if you do enough damage off the heavy impact and devastating impact, you might not even need ride him down. So uh, I think he definitely, the way he's built, uh, because, uh, let's see. Two I think his build was units. being able to do, uh, to like use these cards at his leisure. Uh, by no means do you need to combo these either. Like you can easily, each one of them is fairly good on its own. He does uh, two of his uh, three cards, so you're going to have four cards in your deck, require a cavalry unit. So that does kind of make you want to run at least two. I would say two is a, a nice solid number, two cavalry units. And it kind of just goes back to like what we were talking about, uh, you know, him and Tully Cavaliers and then one outrider unit. Um and I think having two of them should be plenty for, a, you know, four cards out of 20 to make sure that you're able to trigger him. Because I know I've run him before where I only ran him and uh, is, was Outriders. the Tully Cavaliers or Outriders. I forget which uh-huh. one I ran him in. But either way, it was the only cavalry unit I ran in that list. And I was finding it hard to trigger his cards because I just I only had one unit that could trigger them. And then when he died, it made those cards useless. So uh, I think uh, if you're going to run him, you want to run two. Three is definitely doable, especially because Outriders are amazing seven-point uh, cavalry. So um, granted, if you're doing that, you're looking at uh, 21... 23 points between those units. So, um, yeah, I don't I think, think uh, uh, I don't think Stark players are going to mind having to bring Calvary. I don't think it's going to be an issue. Yeah, I definitely, it's just, uh, being able to, cause if you want to properly, uh, like be able to flank or rear charge stuff, you're going to want more activations, and I think that's the only problem. I don't think it's a problem with running more of them because they're not good. It's the problem of you're run, you're looking at 23 points between just those, you know, two outriders and a uh, Tully Cavalier, and let's say you run the two three-point NCUs. Uh, Was that 29? You could run two sworn swords and have one point left. So you're looking at, you're still looking at seven activations, I suppose, but I think uh, saving those two points on that second outrider might be a little better to upgrade your, uh, you know, Aria to something and uh, put some attachments in your uh, um, sworn swords to give them a little extra boost. But I guess, uh, you know, Neither of those, I suppose, are bad options. Um, running an extra outrider definitely uh, could have its merits. So, 
All right. So next we will talk about Maimed Jamie. So with Maimed Jamie, I've actually seen him a handful of times in tournament lists. Uh, not in both lists, but in at least one of them. And uh, I'd say just personal experience. Uh, it scares me when I do see him uh, in the list because I play heavy uh, berserkers. And his ability is great against uh, low or bad armor units. Uh, he is a valuable captive. When this model, or this model is always the last model destroyed from the unit. When this unit is destroyed, it grants plus one additional victory point. And then vengeful captive. At the end of each of its activations, uh, the this unit. D3 automatic hits. So not wounds, so you're still going to get your saves, but that's where I was talking about that with Berserkers, every single time I activate, me taking on average two hits, and then a lot of times failing uh, two of them, it just it adds up. Granted, you know, Berserkers like to be less wounds, but softening, you know, softening up a, a Berserker unit early game really makes them susceptible to being one-shotted. So um, it's just one of those things to kind of keep in mind. Granted, if you're, uh, the other thing that makes them super strong is that if you're, if they do happen to kill that unit, they're getting an extra victory point form, uh, from it. So, uh, without anything else added there, uh, it's two victory points. So definitely, uh, for me, uh, as a, like mainly berserker player, you know, it's a scary thing to see because that can definitely screw up my plan. Um, one thing to note is it does say it's always the last model destroyed from the unit. So whereas uh, most other things, uh, the owning player gets to pick the order in which the models go. Or you know, No, uh, I think they clarified that. The, that was just a reminder text. This model is always the last model destroyed from the unit. Uh, that was just reminder text. So um, one thing to note to kind of get around the Jamie Lannister is um, if they stick him in a unit with an attachment already in there, the owning player of the unit gets to pick the order. So if he puts Jamie Lannister in my unit of Berserkers with Hodor in it, I could put him as second to last. And if they kill me down to one model and Jamie dies first, let's see. It says when this unit is destroyed, it grants one extra victory point. So if he dies and the unit doesn't, uh, you can nullify that plus one victory point. It's the same thing with uh, Rickon. Uh, if you put uh, Rickon, if you put Osha as last and then Rickon as second last, and then you kill it down to then you don't get your victory point. Now, whereas you're uh, you're cutting out a bit. Seem to be okay now. Can you hear but, me now? Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you should probably re-say what you said over the last 30 seconds, starting at Rickon. Oh, I was saying that with Rickon, you can run, um, you can put Osha as the last model and Rickon as second to last. And if you kill the unit down to one model, uh, Rickon won't give up the victory point, same way as Jamie Lannister, uh, because they both say when the unit is destroyed. Whereas... Um, Joffrey in uh, his King's Guard, he, for one, I believe it, um, he is the only way to have an attachment in there. I don't think you can have 
uh, another attachment beyond him unless your opponent puts it in there. I guess if you were Mame Jamie uh, and it was two Lannisters or maybe Jack and Hagar, but uh, Joffrey specifically says when he dies, when his model dies, he gives up uh, an, an additional victory point. So Joffrey cannot get by the that ability or that uh, tactic of placing certain models in certain spots. So Joffrey, you definitely want him to be the last uh, model on the tray. Otherwise, he's going to trigger that when his model is removed. So that's definitely one thing. If you guys uh, out there listening are looking to play Mame Jamie, definitely try to put him in a unit that has low armor that you think might be easy to kill and uh, has no attachments in it. Because if they if you put it in a unit with attachments, you don't control where he goes. They can make him second to last. So just keep that in mind. I like Meme Jamie. I've seen him a handful of times myself. Uh, I think I might have used him once. Uh, I wish that I saw more, but obviously Kickstarter stops that from happening at tournaments, generally. Um, I... I don't know. You pretty much covered everything I could think of. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, how many points was he? Yeah, two points. I think uh, he's appropriately costed at two points. Two points uh, to give away to make your opponents because I think one of his biggest uh, assets is turning your opponent's um, uh, super strong unit into something that they're scared to utilize. So if you stick this in, let's say, uh, one of my Berserker, like key Berserker units, especially back when I ran like Rob in them, I love to just run Rob up there and either they would charge me and I'd set for charge or they didn't and I'd take the maneuver zone and get a free charge. Um, putting main Jamie in there really curbs my tactics. Uh, so throwing him in like a super weak offensive unit or even like mid defense unit, like a four up save sort of unit um, really curbs how they play with that unit and throwing them off that game is invaluable. Like I can't tell you how much of an edge you can get on a player just by throwing them off their game. And uh, Mame Jamie is a perfect way to do that. If you see a unit that's, you know, super offensive that uh, you think is going to make key plays, uh, I I guess another personal experience would be, or not experience, but a personal unit that I use that I would hate to see Mame Jamie in, throw them in my Bastards Girls with Stannis. You know, I like to get Stannis in the thick of things, you know, with the Bastard Girls and try to trigger his combos. Knowing that I'm going to give up an extra victory point and I'm going to be taking D3 hits every time I activate, I mean, that's really going to hurt my strategy a lot because I heavily rely on that unit. So I think when he becomes legal, uh, you're going to see quite a bit of him. And uh, I think the more people play around with him, especially in casual games, they'll understand how strong Mame Jamie can be. Uh, I don't get to play as much as I would like, but I absolutely love running uh, Mame Jamie 
when I can, but I play all the armies, so it's it's hard to fit all the different cool tools in there all the time. Um, and then lastly, uh, we'll talk about uh, Gregor Clegane, the mountain that rides. This is, uh, you know, I, I totally forgot that he had an attachment, even though you mentioned he had an attachment. So let's go over the nah. attachment first. <laughs> uh, let me just find him real quick because I'm having one of those days. Um, all right, so the uh, Gregor Clegane mounted behemoth for three points. Uh, cavalry attachment. He has the order overrun. When this unit destroys an enemy, instead of maneuvering, this unit may pivot and make a free charge action. And he has unstoppable fury. Charged enemies become panicked. When this unit makes a melee attack, it deals D3 additional wounds. So that would be on top of the attack. So that means even if you roll one and you miss with all of your swings, they take a wound, they take a panic. So super strong three-point attachment. Overrun is just amazing, especially if you're combining it with a uh, uh, Knights of Castle Rock because you, if you can get that amazing charge off and obliterate a unit and go right into another unit and obliterate that unit, and I've seen it plenty of times, it's definitely not some rare uh, instance. I wouldn't say it happens every single time, but it happens often enough that it can be a reliable uh, strategy. Uh, I mean, that could be the game. I mean, just demolishing two units from a charge and you being untouched, uh, that can be pretty much the game right there. Yeah, so I think he is, I guess I can say arguably, the best three-point unit, or three-point attachment, perhaps the best uh, period because he is that expensive three-pointer and the best of them, in my opinion. Uh, just like you said, it is certainly not uncommon to watch him just obliterate two units at once, especially if you're playing something like Fire and Blood, um, and if your opponent is wise enough to mark <laughs> Gregor's unit. That may have happened once against me, and he marked Gregor, <laughs> and I killed two units in one activation <laughs> on my first turn. It was pretty devastating. I, what I get eight? Yeah, I got because I marked both of them too because I placed Gregor first, and then he got marked. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll mark what's across from him. And it happened to be Ranger Hunters and a Scorpion, so they weren't really hard targets to kill. <laughs> and yeah, eight points, first activation of the game, in the flank of a bunch of infantry. I, I won the game from then on, obviously. Yeah, I think you uh, won, but, like, after, like, the first action in round two. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Um, but yeah, just the, what, nine nine hits... Nine attacks with sixes exploding, D3 wounds, panic token for, you know, because you need it on top of the overrun. He is ridiculously amazing. Each of those abilities is easily a one-point ability, easily. Overrun is, I don't think anyone's going to argue that overrun isn't worth two points on its own. I'd pay two points for it. Would you, Dave? Uh, If I have the right tools, yeah, definitely. Overrun for, I mean... Just getting a free attack is amazing enough, but a free charge usually in the flank. I mean, I would say out of all the times I've ever seen Overrun go off, it's more often than not into the flank of another unit rather than the front. 
Uh, well, also, it's not just a free charge. It's a free charge right after you've already done something. So it's like two activations in a row with only taking a one activation and twice the damage. Uh, yep. Yeah, it's, Overrun is an incredibly powerful ability. There's a reason why you have to destroy a unit to do it, which, I mean, your opponent's going to attempt to stop you, obviously, but uh, Overrun's always, like, every time I've seen it played, it is game-changing. Um, obviously, it doesn't necessarily win a game, but it changes the dynamic enough to mm, put you a lot closer to victory every time. I guess unless yep. you like charge I, the front of sworn shields with separate charge or something. Only, <laughs> I think the only good tactic against it is having like that uh, control manipulation. So being able to like shut off orders somehow, or just, uh, just something to kind of disrupt um like the offensive uh, potential so that the Knights get stuck. But even then, you know, overrun doesn't have to be, it has to trigger after you charge. If you charge and do a good amount of damage and then finish them off later, that overrun is still going to trigger. So, um, and Gregor like really offsets the Knights, uh, like uselessness in combat once they're already stuck in he negates the fact that they only have six wounds hitting on threes. Because all of a sudden, realistically, they have six plus D3 hits that are unblocked. Uh, so, yep. yeah, he... he Yeah, you're looking at an 11-point unit, so it's it's not cheap, but it is worth every penny if you're a good player. I mean, I'd argue that if he was four, a four he would still be well worth his points because uh, you look at it this way if you're already spending three points on him you're missing out on a three-point ncu so what's the difference between just adding another point to him and missing out on a four-point ncu i mean he's like you said over on his attachment or two-point ability you're looking at charging an enemy becoming a point uh, when the unit makes a melee attack becoming uh, doing additional d3 automatic wounds is a point and the fact that uh, the D3 auto wounds is every time they attack, I mean, I argue that let's even just say overrun is a point and a half, and that other ability is a point and a half, and then the charging is a point, or the panicked on a charge. I mean, I uh, I think uh, I would pay four points for him. Um, yeah, three points, I think he's a bargain. I think he's, like you said, the best three-point attachment out there yeah he's like i hate seeing him across the field my like i don't really know how to handle it my normal you know tactic for dealing with uh shock cav is acid girls and get the get the charge on him but that doesn't really work because <laughs> not only are they going to do like five wounds to me with their hits because you know bastard girls that's that's what happens. They're also doing those extra wounds. So <laughs> all it takes is one free attack, and I'm already in the danger zone. I'm possibly down to my last rank, which is when they lose dice too, and that's where you don't want them to be. Because I mean, faster girls don't have a lot of dice because they attack twice in one act, one go. So lose going down to four dice a turn is you're never going to get through them. You're going to lose the fights uh, easily with doing very little to no damage. And the other so, thing that no, the other thing with his ability to uh, every time he melee attacks uh, to do that D three additional wounds. Granted, the average is two, but 
that almost takes it almost makes taking the uh the wealth against him nearly pointless because you're only really negating that while he's still going to get all of his other attacks based uh, with whatever unit you're going to be running him with um so you almost are forced to take the attack before him um but even if so let's say they take the attack as they have the priority and then do you really respond with healing three when they're just going to then immediately attack again for another d3 additional wounds i think in a lot of cases you just have to cut your losses and be like all right what else do i do <laughs> you just got to try to chip wounds off because they are knights of castle rock so they're morale six so that's that's a good target i think right there morale six is easily failable in this game with vicious and other things uh but once again, Knights also have more offensive potential with Knights of Castle Rock. Uh, he just, he pairs so, or <laughs> Lannister's Supremacy, sorry. He just pairs so well with Knights of Castle Rock for all the reasons. Not that he wouldn't pair well with anything else. I mean, Flayedman, I think my first game, second game I ever played was, I used him in Flayedman. Uh, so that was, you know, like a 13-point unit. No big deal. Uh, <laughs> and it devastated. I forgot who I was playing, but I definitely destroyed a couple sworn shields when they were seven points by getting rear charges in the back and just one shotting and overrunning, overrunning into the next one. It was, it was beautiful. I, we had no idea what we were doing. I'm sure I jacked something up, but I killed them both. It was great. I mean, I understand like it's the mountain, like he needs to be like crazy good. Um, I think uh, four points is where his current abilities is at. Maybe just make it to where instead of only when you charge, they come become panicked, make them just every time they attack, they're panicked, but four points. I mean, cause I mean, you're four points is a lot. That's four guard captains. That's four assault veterans across your army. So I think, uh, I think maybe either four points as he is or four points and changes only when you charge uh, to just be all the time or every time he attacks, be panicked. But, um, but, uh, yeah, I think uh, amazing attachment. It'll be scary once he becomes, uh, like, legal everywhere, um, not just at the tournaments that allow him. Speaking about legal tournaments, it was interesting in Indy because we really didn't see uh, the att- – I've always – is it Mount of Behemoth that the attachment won? No, no, Mount Arise is yeah. the attachment. So we didn't really see the mountain that rise. We saw a bunch of mounted behemoths. No, it's, it's I think Cameron may have – Okay, well, the solo we saw, <laughs> the attachment, I at least I didn't see a lot. I played against him twice throughout the weekend, I forget. Uh, but I didn't see the uh, attachment, Behemoth. and I thought, okay, I believe you, I said attachment. I'm just, I'm cutting <laughs> my loss and calling him attachment and solo. Name be damned. <laughs> uh, I think that's because of the activation game. However, though, I believe that he may have been a, like, I, I think he wasn't that successful as the solo because people were chasing those activations because that's what we all know and love. Right. But I think people might've had a better time had they used the actual attachment in nights. I think it may have, uh, may have done more just because he's got that durability added into him now. Like, yeah, he's got a two of save with four wounds in the other unit, but a three of save with 12 wounds is significantly stronger. See, I think uh, I think they're too scared of Walder. 
Uh, Absolutely, but I think I'm the only one who brought Walder. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm saying it like hindsight. Yes, you're correct. I yes, think uh, yeah, yeah, they're totally. just scared though, because you're looking at 11 points in a in the faction that I think has the hardest time with activations, um, currently, and uh, I think they're just too scared of Walder and or maybe like a a, a mirror for like Tywin, you know, shut off all the abilities, all the tokens, and just you know have that 11 point unit go to waste. So, but I mean, I'd say that without, uh, if, in hindsight, if you know, you're not going to have to face any of that stuff or you have very little chance of facing it. I think, uh, I like the mounted behemoth better than the mountain that rides. Uh, I think the potential and knights already have such a high potential to really devastate a unit that the mountain mounted behemoth just puts them over the top. And, uh, as long as you pick your, targets correctly you can you know let's say you have a sworn sword and then next to it is a sworn shield you just charge the sworn sword obliterate it so that you can now flank charge with overrun into the sworn shields and potentially obliterate them uh i think uh you know granted this is all you know i guess perfect situation you know knowing that you know assuming your opponent doesn't uh try to counter it but I think uh, just the potential that he brings to the Knights is just amazing. Um, yes, easily. So last up on our list to talk about is the Mountain That Rides. This is the solo. It is four points. Uh, he has a five-inch move. He is uh, four dice hitting on threes, a two-up save, a three-up morale, and... Uh, he has four wounds at the start of the act of his activation. He may make a free maneuver. Uh, he has cleaving blows, which is giving him critical blow. And charge enemies become panicked, and defenders do not get defensive saves. So I'm going to say right off the bat, I think he is a very strong five-point unit, let alone four points. Um, it is not a surprise that we see him in most uh, Lannister, I would say in at least one of uh, both, one of the two Lannister lists of pretty much everyone that uh, play uh, that played that weekend, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I know I saw him pretty much everywhere that weekend. And he, uh, I would say he, as a four-point uh, solo, easily made his four points back. I wouldn't say he changed the game. Like he didn't, uh, he wasn't like the reason everyone won. But I would say that uh, for four points, I think it, he has an easy time making his four points back. Yeah, totally. Um, let's see. I played, yeah, I played against him twice. The first one, I believe I ended up killing him, and I have no idea how. I completely forgot. Um, it's really not surprising. The second one was definitely just Bastard Girls got him. Uh, being a solo, like any solo except Giants, they're very easy to take down, so you have to be careful with them. Although he's got two of saves, so and the good morale. Oh, speaking of that, I have twice now. I feel terrible, and I believe he's been with Brett and I uh, in team in the team tournament, both games that Brett and I played. Um, 
between the two tournaments that had the team tournament that we've been to in the last like two years. Um, we played against Lannisters and we have killed the mountain on a panic test on a snake eye panic test both times. That's, it was beautiful. That's how my wife, uh, that's how her mountain died. Uh, ghost charged the mountain in the rear, did one wound and the mountain rolled snake eyes and died. And that happened to you uh, against Jose the other day too. Yep, I charged into I uh, some. I charged into some stagnites. Uh, did a fair amount of wounds, but then he played ours as the fury. Attacked me, did one wound, and then I rolled snake eyes, and he blew up. <laughs> I believe so, that model is cursed. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Always die on snake eyes. Just never take a panic test, right? That's why he's got a two up save. Duh. Just not not when I face him. When I face him, it's a grueling fight to eat away at those two-up saves. <laughs> well, I've only killed them twice, and I believe it was off panic tests. And then, no, a random one was off passage drills, but they were, like, thundering in the side, so it really wasn't surprising. <laughs> yeah, my... My, uh... Was it my last game? I think it was my last game I faced him, and I... He charged into my unit, and I played a bunch of duff in order to survive, and then I flank charged with berserkers for a minus two and uh he was vulnerable and that was kind of the end of that story that'll do it (laughs) so um yeah uh i think like i said i think at five points i think tons of people would still take him uh he he is very susceptible to uh to like auto wounds so maybe just make him five wounds. So give him one more wound, but make him a whole point more. So obviously that one wound isn't worth a whole point, but it kind of gives him a little something while still bringing him up in points for those activations. Because at one point cheaper than guardsmen, he definitely does way more than a guardsman unit. Even guardsmen with a guard captain, it's a two-point difference. Gregor Clegane... Uh, the mountain that rides is still pulling his weight way more than that unit, in my opinion. Um, and I think uh, that two up, three up, four wounds, as long as you combine some healing in there, you know, he's more survivable than the guard, guardsman in a lot of ways. Granted, yeah, not to totally. auto wounds. Um not to auto wounds, but I think uh, outside of auto wounds, he's more survivable. That two-up save is hard to crack. Uh, even with Sundering, you know, making it a three-up, uh, you combined it with some of your, you know, like Wealth of the Rock or uh, just some other abilities, especially if you, like, have the Sparrow for some of his cards. Um, especially if you have him down to one wound and you pl- uh, play, what is it, Mercy of the Mother to heal three. Uh, even if you somehow fail his three-up morale and heal only two. So I definitely think uh, that's also why you kind of see like a surge uh, when he's allowed, because not only is he so good for his points, people are just excited to use him. You know, they they never really get to use him for big events, and so when you, you allow him, you see a ton of him because he's that good. Whereas that's why you kind of don't really see a lot of the other Kickstarters when they say, okay, these are allowed, is because even though 
they have some great potential and they're really cool. Um, point for point, uh, nothing really comes close to the mountain that rides or the mounted behemoth. And as mentioned before, I think really the only reason we didn't see the mounted behemoth was a combination of people wanting that extra activation and uh, the fear of uh, ability, uh, things that shut off abilities, uh, making making that uh, expensive unit not really worth it. Uh, especially you know at 11 points, you're looking at basically two two units right there. Yeah, totally. I mean, um, I wonder though. So susceptible to being shut off. There's a couple things that are capable of it, obviously. Some of them are like one-time thing, but Walder's obviously very scary to them. But I think, and maybe I'm wrong, but it seems to me like people are using Walder a little bit less than they were when he first came out. So maybe that hype train has died down a bit, which will make him a little bit more common to use. But you could, as an alternative, uh, use two units of knights. So he has to now choose between... I mean, obviously, he's going to probably shut shut the mountain off unless the mountain's in a bad position. But uh, that might be a way to help with that. Well, I think with a two-list format, you know, you can, you know, invest in Varus and Cersei as your two NCUs. That way you can at least Varus Walder. Uh, granted, you know, you're risking it on a three-up, but, you know, the potential of uh, the Mount of Behemoth and Knights is just so amazing. And then you can even combo it up with uh, Maimed Jamie. You know, Maimed Jamie, like a weaker unit for the extra point, and then just go nuts with the Mount of Behemoth and Knights into that unit. Um, especially if they, if you can wait them out in activations uh, and have Maimed Jamie trigger twice to knock off, you know, let's say like three uh, models, you know, you just add to the chance that you can one-shot that unit and overrun, and now you got two victory points for that unit, and then going into the flank is something else. Granted, you're going to have to play it right. You're going to have to make sure they don't take the wealth to heal the wounds from maimed uh, Jamie, um, and you're going to have to deploy in such a way. I mean, waiting out your opponent that shouldn't be too hard if your opponent doesn't know what they're, what you're trying to wait out. So I guess don't make it obvious if, especially if you put pressure somewhere else and they are trying to wait out a different situation, it'll help you um, force them to activate again before you then charge into them. Um, So I think, uh, I think that strategy has a lot of merit as well. Granted, I mean, that's what 11, plus eight points of NCUs, that's 19. Meme Jamie, you're at 21. You're looking at 19 points to fit in four more uh, activations, which could be possible if you run um, uh, Pycelle for three points. So that leaves you with 16. Um, So then at that point, you're looking at three five-point attachments with one point left. So I don't know. It's something to consider. Uh, kind of puts you kind of weak on the field with only one big hitter, I suppose. But, you know, it's worth trying out, uh, especially if you can make that combo really work and go off the way you want to. You know, put Cersei on the unit, maimed uh, Jamie on the unit, charge it with the knights with the behemoth, 
And, you know, who knows, you know, that could be enough of a power play to really make the rest of your army not uh, have to worry so much. Was there uh, anything you wanted to add uh, before we kind of close out? No, I think we covered it all. Sounds good. So, yeah, that uh, kind of wraps up the Kickstarter. Oh, you know, I guess there is one last thing. We didn't kind of speculate when we thought these were going to be out. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I think it kind of depends on two different things. I think uh, I think both Mame Jamie and Mage Mormont will both be out in the very next hero box for both factions. And I think whether or not they decide to do an all-mounted or mix it in is whether or not you'll see the Blackfish, Mounted Blackfish and the Mountain That Rides uh, and Mounted Behemoth in the next hero box as well, which I think is probably totally possible because uh, I believe the attachment boxes had like um, one Calvary model in there. So I think it's very possible that the next, uh, the Hero Box 3 for the Lannisters and Hero Box 3 for the Starks have all four of these in there, all with alternate sculpts. And, uh, you know, those will be like the mounted versions that are that are in there. Kind of like how probably uh, Night's Watch will probably have cold hands and, I don't know, the, the Free Folk might end up getting like, uh, what's the, is it Wan Wan? One one I think. Uh is he the giant guy? One who can't in the speak? books. Yeah. <laughs> so instead of like a Calvary I don't remember that they might get one one something like that. Um no, let's see who else. don't like him. <laughs> Stupid. I think he might have crushed and... one of them the best. Maybe that's why they don't like him. It's pretty justified, <laughs> I guess. Like totally accident. I think he was trying to play with him and just squeezed him to death. <laughs> so yeah, I think uh I think it's entirely possible that the hero boxes will come like with one mounted version each. And with that said, I think uh all of these, all four of these will be out put and all their versions will be out in the next hero boxes that we see. I can't imagine they would wait any longer than that cuz I'm sure there's lots of people out there that are just really itching to finally play these. I think it's been it's been two or I've lost completely track of time. Has it been two or three years since uh, this game came out? I think two. Two-ish. Two-ish. We'll say, we'll say two-ish. Two-ish niner. Zero. Bravo. Ninety bravo years. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I think uh, Hero Box uh, 3, what do you think? Does that sound uh, doable? I think... I think not a behemoth and Mame Jamie definitely. Actually, I think they're all. I were a betting man, which I'm not. I'd put my money on Hero Box Three for all of them. I think they're all just going to be out in Hero Box Three. Yep. Which I wonder when that'll come out. Hmm. I don't know. The only problem I have with that is, uh, it would have been nice if they spread them out a bit more between the other Hero Box or between Hero Box Two and Three. That way you're only getting a little bit of what's already been released for those that did the Kickstarter. Um, that way, like, you know, cause nothing came in hero box two for either of them, right. From the Kickstarter stuff, nothing was pretty I sure. I think. Yeah. So I think, I think, if they would have put, I don't think so. 
So I think if they would have put Mame Jamie and like Mage Mormont in the Hero Box twos, I guess that wouldn't make sense. I guess maybe they didn't do that simply because it didn't make sense with uh, the King's card. So I don't know. I guess uh, way to go, so Lannisters, we... jacking it up. <laughs> so I guess maybe that's why. Um, so it's definitely um, Hero Box three. I think is where it's going to be at. So yeah, with that said, that kind of wraps us up. Uh, thank you guys all for listening. Uh, give our kind of closing shout outs as usual. You know, remember to like and share the page. Uh, follow us on Facebook and um, on Blog Talk Radio, where uh, we do our show live every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, you guys can call in whenever you guys want to um, and, you know, either give your input, uh, you know, talk about the subject at hand, ask us any questions. Uh, who knows, you know, Calling in might get you a, a prize of some sort. You know, we're uh, always itching to kind of, you know, help the community out and kind of give stuff away. Uh, with that said, there's also um, a couple posts on the main pages and our uh, Facebook page that uh, as long as you like and share our page out and follow us and then just comment on one of those posts, you'll be entered in to win um uh, custom card sleeves for any house of your choice between all the houses that are out plus uh, the Greyjoys. Amazing art. I have uh, images on the posts themselves that you can kind of take a look at all the different art. And we will be drawing three winners. Uh, I know it's been kind of a bit. Uh, I meant to draw them a couple days ago, but uh, things have been pretty busy with uh, clinicals and work and whatnot. So I plan to draw them. Uh, let's see. A little bit after noon tomorrow, um, so you guys have until then. For anyone listening, I did uh, bump the posts on the Facebook pages. Hopefully, people see them on there. Um, yeah, follow. Uh, like I said about the live show, and then also our show is recorded on a Song of Ice and Fire Guild dot com, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and at BlogTalkRadio dot com, which is where we do this uh, this whole show through. So definitely uh, follow us on at least one of those, you know, share us out. Uh, we still do the likes uh, giveaways. So for every uh, hundred likes, we will give out a unit box. And then for every 500 mark, we'll give out a unit box and a starter of either Lannisters or Starks. Um, and you know what, uh, you know, Depending on how things go, if we can get enough likes quick enough, we might make it any starter of your choice uh, if we can hit a 1,000 likes. Because we've been kind of hovering at 630 or 50-ish. I haven't really looked in a bit. But we've been hovering at that uh, for a bit now. So if we can hit a 1,000 pretty quickly, then I might just go ahead and do a starter of your choice, even Greyjoys when they come out. So uh, definitely... You know, share out the page, let your friends know about it, and uh, let's try to get that, you know, 1,000 mark. Uh, that'd be pretty awesome. Um, you know, with that said, this is the Small Council Radio, and it is dismissed.